welcome King of Kings family back to Jerusalem. We're so excited you're with us tonight. What a great night. This is a holiday for us. Let me just welcome everybody, all of our members here in Jerusalem that are watching online, those watching around the world, everyone connecting on King's Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, and all of the other channels. We're welcoming you here. Chag Sameach. Happy holidays to you as well. Um, uh, listen, I just want to give you a few updates about what's happening because sometimes you don't hear all of the details in the news, so it's very important that you hear it from us right on the stage here. We are live tonight, by the way. Now, we're in the middle of a lockdown, so let me explain to you what that means on this holiday weekend. Uh, that means that no one is supposed to leave their home outside of, uh, of a certain distance. So you might say, well, then how are you there live? Well, we got special permission, praise the Lord, and we got special letters that led us through the security and got a chance to come here tonight to just worship the Lord together, to honor his word, to honor his holidays, and, and so that you guys could connect with us from wherever you're watching around the world. So thank you for being here with us tonight on this special night. You heard Pastor Ray blow the shofar to open tonight's service because this is the Yom Teruah, Feast of Trumpets, or some call it Rosh Hashanah, service tonight. So we're going to blow the trumpets again uh, a little bit later in the service in a more traditional way, but we wanted to call to worship, call to assembly as we started tonight. Now you're thinking, Pastor Chad, I looked on my calendar and it's not the Feast of Trumpets anymore. Well, here in Israel, we often extend the day by an extra second day because in times past, the, the announcement of the holiday would take time to get to the diaspora, which are those Jewish people that live outside of Israel. And so they would want to celebrate it for two days, even though the commanded day is only one day. They would celebrate it for two days to make sure all the brothers and sisters, uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters around the world, had a chance to celebrate at the same time. Uh, at least their local time. So that's where we are today. We're in a lockdown. We're not allowed to meet and we're not allowed to assemble without uh, a special consent, and we, we got that today by the Lord's grace. We're excited also. Did you hear it? Did you hear the new song today? Haleli was uh, released just a few days ago on Friday night, and we played it tonight as a part of a worship. And listen, all the praise and glory goes to God, but we want to honor our King of Kings worship team and the production team, the sound team, the media team that were able to, to spend the extra hours this week putting this together. And that song was written by our own Brigitte. Uh, I know she doesn't want me to say this, but in light of the launch of the new worship song and in performing it tonight, or at least worshiping, uh, helping us lead it in worship tonight, it is Brigitte's birthday. So everybody send her a special love note. She didn't want me to say that, I'm sure, but it is her birthday because she wants all the glory to go to God, but we're going to give her a little honor tonight. Happy birthday, Brigitte. And last Sunday was Pastor Ray's birthday, so we did a little special song for him as well. Send him some love along the way. As we get started in tonight's message, we're going to be focusing on a new series for the next four holiday weeks called New Creation. And I want to give a special thanks to our Modi'in community group, who I was with this past Tuesday as we discussed some of these items. And some of these ideas came from that discussion. And I want to give credit to, to that team as we uh, combed through the Word of God. Turning your Bibles to the book of Leviticus chapter 23 as we get started tonight. And as you're turning, hey, just help us. Help us push that song. Help us introduce that new worship song to all those around the world who are looking for some new original 
uh, music from Israel, Hebrew, uh, Messianic-rooted songs right here from Jerusalem and the King of Kings family. Help us push that song. Go to the KKW, the King of Kings Worship website, the YouTube page. Go to the Facebook page. Push that, like it, share it. Let everybody connect with us. It's brand new. It comes from the heart of God, and it's very prophetic for such a time that we live in today. Hallelujah. Well, listen, this is the Feast of Trumpets. Some of you may, may hear Rosh Hashanah as, as the day, and, and, and that means ahead of the year or the new year, but the biblical text is going to call it Yom Teruah or Chag Chatzatrot. It's the Feast of the Blowing or the Feast of Trumpets. It's not the new year, by the way. If you read in Leviticus 23, you're going to find out that this is the first day of the seventh month. We're right in the middle of the year. So it's not necessarily the biblical new year the way God intended, but we do say it uh, together because it's become a cultural new year here in Israel. But that leads me to a point tonight. As we read the word of God, we are often challenged and presented with the need to separate the word of God itself from the traditions of man. And that even goes to the way we live here Within Messianic Jewish circles, we have to separate the word itself and the commandments of God from tradition. Now, much of tradition is good. It carries a a God-honoring element. It carries an Israel-loving element. Maybe it even exalts uh, the Messiah or at least the idea of a Messiah, so it can be good. But we cannot just embrace everything just because it's traditional in in a Judaism sense. And for that reason, you'll hear me refer to the festival tonight, more in terms of Yom Teruah, Feast of Trumpets, than you will Rosh Hashanah. But that doesn't mean that you can't refer to it that way as well. What's interesting about this festival is the Lord is going to be highlighting the intent of the heart much more than he's going to be highlighting the instructions themselves. Now, often when we get into the feasts and festivals, I like to run through a prophetic timeline, and I'll do it again. We look at the festivals of the Lord as the historical timeline in a prophetic sense about this world and its beginning and its end. At Passover, which is the first festival of God's year, we notice that it took the sacrificed blood of a lamb to save our people from death. Then they went through the waters of the Red Sea, so they were saved by the blood and they were, they were washed through the immersion of the waters. It sounds a lot like the salvation plan. They found themselves at the, the mountain of the Lord receiving God's commandment. That's us, guys. That's a salvation walk. Saved by the blood. Then go through the waters of immersion, kneeling and submitting before the Lord, honoring his word. That's what we're called to do. So we see that Passover is easily connected to Yeshua who is our Passover lamb, dying in the Passover season. Then the festival of unleavened bread, when he was inside the grave, and we know that he himself likened the leaven to sin. So during the festival of leaven, or unleavened bread, he is taking away the sin of the world, because he called leaven like sin. Then three days later, on the feast of first fruits, he rises from the dead, and Paul calls him the first fruits from the dead. This is not an accident, but we can see the festivals of the Lord highlighting where we are in human history. Then we know that there's a 50 day counting commandment. We count the Omer, and we arrive at Shavuot, the feast of weeks, because we counted seven weeks. 
And of course, the Holy Spirit is given right there, letting us know how important that day was on God's calendar and where are we in the historical timeline. But now, Yeshua's done all of those things on earth and the giving of the Holy Spirit. And then there's these long, hot summer months, these long, hot, dry summer months here in Israel. That's what we're in right now, a long, hot, dry summer. And the next festival that we've just arrived to is the Feast of Trumpets. But there's a long season before, uh, b- between the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Trumpets. And as Pastor Mike just read the parasha, we know that the Feast of Trumpets alerts us to the return of the Messiah. And so if we were in a prophetic sense, in the history of the world's timeline, the Holy Spirit was given as a symbol of the Feast of Weeks, and the return of the Lord is the Feast of Trumpets, there's a long gap in between those, and that's where we live right now. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's a long, hot, dry summer right now in a prophetic historical sense. But one day, the final trumpet will blow, the Messiah will return and give us greater fulfillment to that word of the last trumpet blast. I read for you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. There will be a new creation at that final trumpet. And we want to listen for it. We want to lock into that during the feast of trumpets. Everything that it means, everything that the Lord intends it to mean. That that's a moment in history where the world will be changed, when the Messiah will rule and reign right here on earth. He'll start his thousand-year reign here in Jerusalem when we hear that trumpet blast. And to some extent, according to Revelation, a first resurrection may happen. And those who are martyred and beheaded on behalf of the Messiah will begin to reign with him, and others will rise later. But it announces that the ages have changed. And something in us has changed at that moment. This is the new creation element. And we can easily connect it with these verses for the Feast of Trumpets. Now let's look at our main text tonight, Leviticus 23, starting in verse 23. Let's get the instructions themselves, not just the prophetic connections, but let's go back to the original text. What does it say? The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. So here are the elements that were mentioned in the text. First of all, the date is mentioned, so we know exactly when it is. Then there's a Sabbath rest. Don't do any regular work. There's a sacred assembly. Well, that's what we're trying to do here today, a sacred assembly. There's the trumpet blast, of course, There's 
The commandment to bring an offering. Now notice that some things and details are missing. Did you notice that it doesn't say what kind of offering to bring necessarily? And even though it says to blow the trumpet, it doesn't say how to blow the trumpets. I found that interesting. So I looked at its, its cross-referencing scripture about the commandments of the Feast of Trumpets, which is found in Numbers chapter 29. I want to read that for a moment. First six verses, Numbers 29. And I figured there would be more details there to lay it out for us. Surely there's more. On the first day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly. Okay, that's the same. And do no regular work. That's also the same. It is a day for you to sound the trumpets. That's also the same. As an aroma pleasing to the Lord, offer a burnt offering of one young bull, one ram, seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bull, offer a grain offering of three-tenths uh, three of an ephah, of the finest flour mixed with olive oil. With the ram, two-tenths, and with each of the seven lambs, one-tenth. Include one male goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. Wait, atonement? I thought that was ten days from now. So that's a little different. These are in addition to the monthly and daily burnt offerings with their grain offerings and drink offerings as specified. They are food offerings presented to the Lord, a pleasing aroma. That's the cross-referencing scripture for Feast of Trumpets. Did we add anything? Did we get something new? Well, we did hear a few new things. First of all, we found out that the Feast of Trumpets is also connected to what's coming ahead in the atonement. They're not separate. They're connected with these 10 days, the, the yamim noraim, the 10 days of awe. But we did hear some additional details on the kinds of sacrifices and offerings. Bulls and goats and rams and lambs were added. But the rest of it was the same. I found it also interesting that on the Feast of Trumpets, the commandments as listed in the Torah are the shortest list of commandments of any of the seven festivals. There's something here that is unusual that we need to pay attention to tonight. Now, on a traditional side of things, there are times that, that in Judaism they look at the Feast of Trumpets, they connect it with maybe the creation. That's not in the biblical text, but but there's an element that you can understand when you look at things that are becoming new. Then there's the connectivity with the sacrifice of Isaac when his father Abraham was commanded. We read that passage as part of the holiday readings. The reason we read that is not because the story necessarily connects with a lot in the festival, although maybe Isaac did get new life because he wasn't sacrificed. I can see the connection. But it was because the salvation of God came on the scene during that story and the angel of the Lord says, stop to Abraham. And he says, the Lord has provided a ram for you. And of course, he's caught in the thicket by his horns. And the, the, the idea of the horn connected with the shofar of, of the Feast of Trumpets makes a connection there in traditional Judaism. So those are some traditional things. But if you're looking at the, the text in the word, we get very little instruction. A Sabbath day, give some offerings, blow the trumpets. That's about it. Now I wonder, 
why God left some things out. You know, God is not a God who accidentally leaves specifics and details out. Hopefully by now, if you've been in the Lord a long time and you've read through the scriptures, you've understood that God is often very detailed. He's a very detail-oriented God. And in most cases, he gives a great deal of specifics, especially in light of holidays. But even inside of the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah, he gives a lot of detail about other parts of the day. Right? When it came to the offerings, we got bulls and rams and lambs and goats and the ephah and, 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 and the oil and all of the stuff, the wine and all the grains. And there's a lot of detail when God wants to give detail. So I found it interesting that on the Feast of Trumpets, there was no detail. I wonder what God is up to here. He has no trouble giving us detail all throughout the Bible. The priestly garments had to be made a certain way, the Urim and the Thummim and the, the breastplate and the stones, the Ark of the Covenant and, and how big it had to be, made of gold and, and two poles and how it had to be carried, the tabernacle, how it had to be made with the skins and the colors and the curtains and the hooks and everything and how to carry it, how to fold it. God is not devoid of details when he wants to give details. And when God doesn't want to give details, it's not an accident. God doesn't do random. God doesn't do accidents. So we need to deduce tonight that if God didn't give specifics, there was a reason behind it. I'll give you our first key phrase tonight. When God gives great detail, there is a reason and when God glaringly leaves out detail, there is a reason. So what are we supposed to do with this glaring leaving out of the details on the Feast of Trumpets about how to blow the trumpets? We don't even know how to do it. Well, we know back in history, in the Word of God, there were other reasons and other ways that we blew the trumpets we would blow the trumpet to call the people to war. We would call them to worship like we did tonight. We would call them to assemble with a certain sound. We would signal the new moons and the months and the holidays with a certain signal. We would blow the trumpets to announce the return of the king when he came to town. And we see that in the book of Corinthians through the readings tonight. We would also use the shofar to announce the return of the bridegroom who had been away for a while preparing a house for himself and his bride, and then he would come back into town, and they would blow the trumpet when he was there, and they would have the wedding that day. That's why the, the brides and all of her bridesmaids and her virgins had to be ready, because they didn't know when he would come back, but they would announce his return with the trumpet, and then they would have the wedding that day. So all of these historically are in the Word of God. We can see them. But I wonder why the Feast of Trumpets leaves detail out about how to blow the trumpets. I think when God left out these details, he did it for a reason. I'm going to turn your attention to Matthew chapter 12 for a moment. Verse 25. Knowing their thoughts, Yeshua said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Okay. What did we draw out of that? Well, 
notice Yeshua knows their thoughts. Isn't that interesting? Yeshua was about to teach them something, took a moment to know their thoughts, and decided, I'm going to go in this direction with my teaching because I know your thoughts. I'm going to give you something so relevant and so fresh that I'm going to teach based on the thoughts that I know you have right now. How fresh is that word? Several times throughout the Bricha Shah, the New Covenant, we are told that Yeshua knew the thoughts of the people around him. We can look at other instances of what's going on in the thoughts of men and in their hearts. Acts chapter 15, it's a, it's a pivotal chapter in, in the life of the Jewish believer. Acts 15, when all of the Jerusalem leaders, the apostles, the pastors, the elders, and the apostles from around the world, they all get together in Jerusalem. And they're discussing if the Gentiles were allowed to enter the kingdom of God through belief in Yeshua, even if they didn't live like Jews. What should we do? They don't live like Jewish people. Are they allowed in? This was the discussion. And in Acts chapter 15, verse 8, one of the apostles says, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did for us. You see, God knew the heart. The heart is what he was after all along. He knows the mind. He knows what's going on. He knows the reasons. He knows the intent. You know, when King David was preparing to build the temple as a house for God, he quotes this in 1 Chronicles 29. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. And as for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all of these things. And now with joy I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. You see, David knew that God was looking into the heart. Hey, I, God, I can, I can build you a, a temple. And God says, I didn't ask for that. Yeah, but I, did, I wanted to do it. All of the people, we wanted to do it, God. And God said, but I didn't ask for it. But David, I looked at your heart, and I saw what your heart wanted to do, and that's what I'm going to receive today. You can build me the temple if you want, but what I received today was the intent of your heart, David. Gentile believers around the world, God would say through the Holy Spirit in Acts 15, you may not know all the Jewish traditions. You may not know all the scriptures yet. You may not know how to do all of these things that you've heard or seen people do. But the Holy Spirit would say, but I saw your heart. I saw the intent of your heart and you are welcome into my kingdom. Acts chapter 15. Friends, pay attention to this. I think this is what God is after on this day, that he left out details. I'll give you one more example. Within the new covenant context of giving generously to the work of the kingdom, we find 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'll give you our, our second key phrase tonight. When there are no instructions, the only thing left is the intent of your heart. When God laid out the Feast of Trumpets, 
And he gave all the details about the offerings and the Sabbath days and the date on the calendar. So he's not struggling for detail. And then he came to the blowing itself and all he says is blow the trumpet. Doesn't say how. Doesn't even say when in the day. Doesn't say how long. Doesn't say what it should sound like. When there are no instructions, the only thing left is the intent of your heart. I was reminded how many other instructions there are throughout the Word of God. And it reminded me of the need to have the right heart intent no matter what we're doing. And maybe today is the day, is the holiday that God uses to remind us about the intent of our heart just a few days before we go to the Day of Atonement. God doesn't do these line-up things on accident. He doesn't have an accidental timeline. Speaking of the intent of the heart, this comes up a lot as parents. Oftentimes we give the children instructions and you know, I get pretty famous for giving one-liners to my kids. They they promise they're going to they're going to make me write a book one day of all my one-liners. I used one of my famous one-liners this morning. It's called Wise or Foolish. My kids were doing something this morning and and they were chasing one another around the house in a way that was pretty dangerous and I stopped one of them and I just kind of gave them that dad look where you you know, a little little tilt of the head. They know, oh, okay, that's probably not a good thing. Just very gentle, tilted my head, and I said, wise or foolish? Of course, my older one always comes in the room, and she says, guys, you got to learn. When he asks you the question, the answer is always foolish. He would never ask you that question if it was something wise. So just say yes, sir, and know that you just did something foolish. Speaking of foolishness, just before I left, to come here for the service today, my youngest, two, my youngest one, she's two years old, decided she was going to show me what she could do. The two-year-olds loved to show off. She was jumping off the couch. Dad, look how high I can jump. She was riding her little bimba around the house. Dad, look how fast I can go. And then I sat down to eat a bite before I came to service, and she ran up to me and she said, Dad, look what I can do. But I didn't see her do anything. And she was looking at me with a smile and said, Dad, look what I can do. And it took me a moment to realize what it is that she had done. She had stuffed something up her nose. And we couldn't get it out. And because I had just told my other one, hey, wise or foolish, she thought that was a great time to repeat the phrase to my two-year-old. She said, hey, wise or foolish. My kids often, we give them instructions and they, give, they can give me like a half lazy effort in doing the ins- instruction, right? And so I have another one of those key one-liner dad phrases. And they come back and they, they gave me like the half effort and they're like, dad, I can't do it. And I say, yes, you can. I believe in you. You'll figure out a way to do it. Oh, I hate when he says that. I was trying to get out of it with a half-lazy attitude, and Dad won't let me. And then he, he didn't just send me back to do it again. He wrapped the instruction in an encouragement. Yes, you can. I believe in you. You'll figure out a way to do it. But Dad, the box won't fit in the closet. I believe in you. You'll figure out a way to do it. 
Dad, I don't know how to fold these towels. I believe in you. You can figure out a way to do it. Because what I'm always after is not so much the action of my children, I'm after the intent of their heart. We notice that when somebody wants to do something, they do it. And God is alerting us on this holiday in a special way for Yom Teruah about the intent of our heart. Now, all throughout the scriptures, we only learn one thing, one way to do things in the kingdom of God. And it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, our closing verse. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. What does that mean and how does that relate to the Feast of Trumpets? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. So today is the day of blowing the trumpets. I'm not even going to tell you how to blow them. But whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. And whatever I've asked you to do, do it with the right intent of the heart. Blowing the trumpet is the same way today. There's no right way to blow it. There's no wrong way to blow it. You can't really mess this up, friends, if you're blowing at home, doing the physical act. But God is giving us a very, very rare opportunity today to present to him what is in our heart. Today, he's getting away from instructions, details, and specifics, and he's saying, I want to see how you want to blow the trumpets. Show me what's in your heart today. Show me the intent. Show me the reason. So we get the opportunity to give him a gift of praise from what's inside of us. Normally he would give us more rules, but today he doesn't. Today the Lord is giving us freedom to express our personal devotion and thanksgiving through the shofar. And as is normal during the festivals, there is certainly a corporate instructional dynamic. Here's the date. Here's the Sabbath. Here's the offerings. Blow the trumpet. There's the corporate dynamic. But inside of those rules is an intentional leaving out of rules about how to blow the trumpet because he's giving us an individual chance to express what is in our heart. And I'm just encouraging all of us to take this opportunity during this festival season as we look forward to the next one in a few days, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, to show God what is actually in our heart when we get to blow the trumpets, when we pray, when we fast, when we read the word, when we serve him, when we serve others. We want to do it from the intent of our heart. So how will we express ourselves during this holiday? How will we express ourselves through all of this fall holiday season. We certainly embrace the trumpets and their link to communicate with God's people, to come to war, to assemble, to worship. We embrace the prophetic elements of the return of the Messiah and his kingdom on earth. We embrace the trumpets and their link to the changes that we will undergo and the new creation that we're becoming. But maybe today is a step forward in that new creation where our heart matters more than anything else. We also understand that God is intentionally leaving some things flexible today 
so that we have a chance to not just corporately worship him, but to worship him individually from the truest parts of our heart that they may become visible before God, that the truest intent of our heart might become visible before God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this great opportunity today. Connecting to the Feast of Trumpets and all of its special features, we embrace the Sabbath day. We embrace the date on the calendar. We embrace all of the historical usages of the trumpets. We embrace the offerings of praise. And we embrace the blowing of the shofar today in a way that reflects what is in our heart, just like King David wanted to build you that house just like the Holy Spirit wanted to bring the Gentiles into the kingdom just like God said give from the intent of your heart what's inside and we want to bless you and praise you today focusing on that that piece of what's inside of us help us to do it during these yamim noraim these days of awe that we would not go through motions, that we would just not go through traditions only because we know that you're not so interested in those as you are the reason behind what we do. We thank you for that in Yeshua's name. 